I feel like um, the hiatus was well-deserved in some ways because this panoramic, y'all, people have been going through it. You say pandemic or panoramic? Panoramic. That's what the internet calls the pandemic. They call it the panoramic. Or a pancetta. It's all-encompassing. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, what a metaphor. Huh. I like it. Highly poetic. That feels a little... I feel seen. We have so many exciting updates, but first... Heather. There's things... Um, Misha. But first things first is, uh, who do we have on the show today? Well, you forgot to introduce us as well. Oh my gosh, that's right. Welcome it's to been so long. It's been so long, I don't <laughs> even know our routine anymore. Okay, welcome to In Rehearsal. I am your host, Misha Maseka, and the French windows to my... French drapes is Heather Gallipo. Amazing. Incredible. I almost said porcelain drapes. That can't be real. That That is a lot. That is like a, a very interesting and intricate thing if it is. Is there such thing as porcelain drapes? Who do we have on the show today, Heather? We have Praneet Akila on the show and I'm so excited. Yes, he is an actor. Gorgeous man. Gorgeous man. A singer. Truly. An actor. A singer. Yes. <gasps> Um, I think he identifies as an actor first, a singer second, but put this man on Broadway, please and thanks, because um, he has a beautiful voice. He's most um, famously known for his reoccurring role in season two of CW's Nancy Drew. I think that rhymed. And um, he's most recently uh, starred in a short film called Mom and the Machine. Honestly, look him up. You uh, won't be disappointed by what you see that's creepy i'm sorry praneet there's a bunch of stuff we get into i uh, you know we we uh, we talk about identity and sort of him moving to canada um and assimilating and and sort of his transition into acting after not going to theater school and just sort of transitioning after you know completing an engineer degree at mcgill just casually yeah well that's how that's how mcgill preps you up you know like here's some engineering go for the arts right and it's like cre- ah, creativity but you know you it's interesting yeah. because i also think about tanaj williams who's another actor and uh, a friend a colleague of praneet's and sort of he had the same trajectory in that he was in pretty sure business school didn't go to theater school and then was like apparently i am an actor and a damn good one <laughs> turns out yeah so um that's very exciting it's very exciting um What's your favorite? I know. Okay, this is a trick question, but not a trick question. What is your favorite CW show that you've watched? Um, but the problem is that I'm not like a girl's girl. That you're not. <laughs> so a lot of the CW just like went right over, not even right up my right over my head. Like I opened the door for it as it blew by. I um, because <laughs> I just um. Yeah, I mean, now here I am, a fully developed human. I'm fully into Grey's Anatomy and things like that. But yeah, the Gilmore Girls and stuff, I just, I think I was too angsty. Right, it it missed you. At that age. Yeah, what about you? Now that you mentioned Gilmore Girls, I say definitely probably Gilmore Girls. And then as a teen, like I was watching Vampire Diaries religiously, which is funny (laughs) to think about. Um, but then I had to stop watching it because it got a little too scary. <laughs> I was like, my poor heart. This is a little scary. And like, and also, 
LOL, why are we talking about Vampire Diaries? <laughs> Watch Nancy Drew on the CW. But, um, and also, I think the, the, pair, the pairing, because there's always a love triangle in the CW, right? In of a course. CW show, there's always a love triangle. And the pairing that I wanted was not the pairing that ended that up they being. Chose. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, I'm off. Let I'm me just look this. deep into your psyche. Is that potentially where you were like, I could write? And yeah. get this better. Yeah. <laughs> the love triangle needs to be fixed. Yes. No, exactly. Without further ado, here is Praneet Akila. This last 400 days has been a myriad of things. A global pandemic, a season of grief, a racial reckoning, a gift of time to artists. Before the pandemic, we were already mulling over the notion of what it means for an artist's process when they have time and space to fully create, uninterrupted. Easing into my conversation with Indian-Canadian actor Praneet Akila, I simply asked him, how are you? But we all know in the last year or so, that's not just a casual question anymore. The actor gives us a reflection on those early months of quarantine what that did to his productivity, and how he came to find a healthier balance to his creative process. Creatively, I was actually pretty good. Um, I, when the world shut down in March, um, uh, I just finished a play, and I was going to actually come to Calgary to perform the second half of the tour. Um, and then it got shut down, and then it was an opportunity to just take a free trip to Calgary and just be with my parents and and then I realized okay well I am gonna be here for the next couple of months and so um in that time frame actually like weirdly I, I actually I, I felt like I needed a break anyways um because I was just running this rat race and I was always on the go I was always just like mm-hmm. something was always kind of happening or at least I was, I was pre- even if something wasn't happening I was always preoccupied with something and um and when the when the quarantine happened, like it forced me to stay in one place. It forced me to just uh, stay silent and wrestle mm-hmm. with my own thoughts. Um, and I was one of those people that kept procrastinating on a lot of side projects that I said I would start, but I never started. And so March and April, I was like, I was like really productive. Like I was actually like writing a lot. I was getting a lot of things done that I said that I would. Um, and then uh, my mom, uh, she noticed that. Um, I hadn't left my room in like two months. And the weird thing that happened is that because the world shut down, uh, the internet opened up, which means that like, you know, the access to resources, like like the amount of classes that, are, that were available online, like, um, and all over the world, you know, I was taking classes in the UK and like I was meeting with people in, from Australia. So I just sort of, you know, my, my whole world was just shifted to being online and, and I realized what, what I thought was healthy initially of being productive was actually very sort of, uh, you know, mild case of OCD, which I was going kind of going through, mm. I think, where I was like obsessing over, okay, what's the next thing? What am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? Oh my God, the world can't end right now. If it's end, if it, you know, if it stops, then I don't have a future anymore. It's over, blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and I think that was propelling me to get things done more than the healthier way to approach it, which is, you know, what do I want to be doing? What is it that I actually care about? Um, where should I actually put my focus and energy? You know, maybe this is the time to take care of my body and my and my uh, overall sort of physical and mental health. So those mm. things weren't happening. Um, 
And what happens is you burn out, right? You, you burn out, and so I, bur I burnt out is what happened. So uh, May came, and I completely crashed. Um, and uh, I just literally did nothing for the month of May and June, just sort of, you know, have to recalibrate wow. everything. So, so yeah, I mean, there, I think there's moments of just like, and I'm sure a lot of people are going through this, not just me, but there's moments of just deep sadness uh, and just like existential worry. And then there's moments where it's like, all right, well, I guess it can't get any worse. So, I mean, let's just keep going. And then there's a weird positive positivity that happens. And so, um, but yeah, it's such a, such a, such a strange year. Very, very strange year. Yeah. 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 I think necessary though. You know what I mean? Like in some ways, like the slowing down, cause I don't even want to say the stopping of the world because you know, mm -hmm. here we are still living and existing, but yeah, it's been, it's been a really necessary year to sort of stop and <laughs> reevaluate our situation i think as humanity so completely yeah, it's stressful completely and i'm not overtly religious by any means but uh you know my family being hindus and stuff like it's we call it the kali yuga which is basically when saturn's in misalignment uh with uh certain stars um and when saturn is not aligned is when bad things usually happen um and and saturn was not aligned in february february 2020 onward saturn was not aligned um and uh and it's called the kali yuga which is basically what means it's the age of darkness you know hindu philosophy teaches that after the age of darkness comes birth a, a new birth a new change uh, a new way of doing things and so um for those who fully believe in that i mean it's kind of true um and then you know for those who don't i mean maybe we should start <laughs> start believing in it a little bit you know? <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I see both sides, right? Like, I think, I think out of all of this, I mean, the amount of just change that will come out of it, I'm really, really um, hopeful. So Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Was there ever a part of you? Okay, I, a lot of this podcast, too, is me just, like, projecting my own experience onto the people I interview. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. At the top of quarantine for me, I had this sense of, like, relief because it almost felt like, for once in like everybody's or in my adult life anyway it felt like everyone was in the same boat mm -hmm. and it there was like this like instant pressure taken off of like just like expectations do you know what i mean like and in some ways like for me i instantly went into creative mode where i was just like oh finally i get to like write all day how exciting um and yeah like was there any part of you or in you know the last six seven months that sort of found your place in that oh c completely i think that's why i was so normal in the first few months because mm. i was just i am guilty i'm definitely very guilty of comparing myself to others and uh you know guilty of the rat race approach um like i've always worked hard but like it's been a question that i've questioned myself this year i mean it's been forced it's forced me to question myself about like why mm. i'm doing what i'm doing and, and I think why I was so weirdly comfortable with it was because the world shut down. So now I didn't have to run the race anymore and I could just take my sweet time and, and that propelled creativity because again, there's no pressure yeah. to get it right. There's no pressure. Yeah. There's no deadlines anymore. I think, I think pressure, I think deadlines, I think expectations, I think comparison, like all these things played a role pre pandemic for me, for sure. Which yeah. is why, specifically with me, where I'm slowly transitioning into being more of a writer-director as well, um, 
you know, I just, it, it wasn't a healthy mindset to, to really create because, you know, all I kept thinking about, you know, was when I would create something, it'd be like, ah, this is not good enough or this won't see the light of day mm-hmm. or, you know, someone else is, is a much more talented artist. She's going to do a better job of creating, uh, you know, this particular piece. It's not for me. So there'd be, it, you'd have these sort of feelings of self-doubt. And, um, but yeah, when the world shut down, it was like, I don't have to run this race anymore. I'm, I'm, I can finally be free of this, of, of being put under this pressure to perform. When, and when really, I mean, nobody's putting that pressure. It's just, it's you. It's you and your thoughts and, uh, you know, uh, you comparing yourself to others. And so that's a big learning lesson for me. But yeah, I would, I would very much agree with you. I think we're both definitely in the same boat when it comes to that. The stories of millennial immigrants and implants echo much of the same elements. No matter which continent you come from. Some would call us third culture kids. To be raised and exposed to one culture and exist and seen as another. It's confusing and beautiful and frustrating and liberating. Praneet was born and raised in Mumbai, India, until the age of nine when he moved to Kuwait during the Second Gulf War and eventually found his adolescent home in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. This is the story of so many who, in adolescence and early adulthood, find themselves a creative outlet they eventually pursue professionally. The story goes, Praneet went to school, became a chemical engineer, and quit to pursue acting. He talks of his journey dealing with cultural expectations and the way assimilation led him to his career now. I'm the oldest. I have a little sister. And it's funny, like, she, when she came to Canada, she was in kindergarten, so she pretty much grew up here. Um, but for me, like, by, by, the, by the time I come here, like, I was already uh, well-versed in, you know, Indian culture by that point, because I, I was sort of, you know, I was inundated with it with my grandparents and my parents. And even my accent was much thicker, you know, uh, you know, when I first relatable, moved. Relatable, relatable. Right? And also, like, you know, like, when the teacher would call out the names for attendance or whatever, I would, like, stand up, because I would stand up in India or Kuwait. <laughs> that's what you would do oh, for attendance, no, when they'd be like... That's... And and the thing is, my last name starts with an A, so I was always, like, my whole childhood, I was always the first one called, because of the alphabetical oh, order. Man. And so, I, you know, first day of school, I remember, like, I was, like, I spent, like, hours trying to figure out Okay, like, what do people wear? I know, I know, I know, like, white kids in movies wear vests sometimes with, with these jeans and these Nike shoes. I gotta have these Nike shoes. Like, I would literally, co- I would, like, watch Nickelodeon cartoons to try and copy their style. Because I was always wearing uniforms, because that's all I ever knew. I tried to, like, I copied, like, Hey Arnold. I literally, like, tried to dress up, like, the a character from Hey Arnold. Uh, brilliant show, by the way. And then, and then I literally would go to school like that. But yeah, no, like I, I was always straddling between the two, and I was always that kid that was always attracted to uh, movies and 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 television and performing. I couldn't like I would get into trouble because I was watching too much TV, right? I would get into too much trouble because I was like, you know, singing too loudly or or like playing with my action figures and like doing a whole like skit with my action figures by myself, like while adults were trying to have a conversation, like. So that was always. That was always me, and even in school, like the things I would get in trouble for was it was always a flair for the dramatic, you know, um, be dancing on the bus, and then that then I you know I get the whole you know all the kids riled up on the bus, and then the, as soon as the bus, uh, you know, you know took a break, we'd all fall down, and then people get scrapes and cuts, and then you know parents would blame me and the teachers would blame me. So I was always that kid, and that had a, this rambunctious sort of energy, and um, you know, kids would play video games, would play outside, but I would like watch like you know, like the old VHS cassettes, like I would like literally watch behind the scenes footage 
I wouldn't watch, like, I wouldn't even watch Lion King. I would watch how they made Lion King more than the actual movie itself. Right then and there, I mean, hindsight, I mean, looking, looking back on it, like, it's so easy to say, like, oh, like, duh, like, you would definitely, you're going to go down this career path, but, like, that's what made me the happiest. Yeah, when I moved here, the first few years were, was me just trying to find my way as a third culture kid, as you said, trying to find my place, trying to, you know, I needed to have, like, a, a, a really cool white best friend is what I needed. That was, like, that was the way that I assimilated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Are it's you just in a, a Disney Channel movie. Like, I what that's what I, I literally. I mean, I was just like, I was like, okay, I have to be, I have to be in a like that's the only way. Like, that's how people talk. Because for me, it was just like that's how I grew up. I watched Disney Channel movies, and I was like, okay, I gotta, you know, this I have to High School Musical this up. And then throughout elementary school, um, you know, there'd be like little like talent shows and like little like sort of performative things here and there. And uh, funnily enough, I would I would sing in some of those, and I even grew up learning Indian classical music because my dad trained in that. You have a beautiful voice, by the way. Thank I you, thank you, I thank you. some of your... Thank you. Put this man on Broadway. <laughs> I want to, one day, one day, we'll see. Cross fingers. Hey, listen, yeah. we're, we're, we're putting it out there. Yes, yes, manifest, manifest. But I certainly got the singing from my dad and learning music. I would always uh, perform in school, but I think, yeah, growing up, it's tough because I don't even necessarily blame my parents. Like, I, I just think that... You don't think of it as a career, you don't think of the arts, film and television, or any things as a career choice. You know, especially coming from immigrant households where security and stability are success. Which is only four categories. Exactly. Like engineer, doctor, doctor lawyer, lawyer. Engineer. Or, of course. Yeah. Of course. And, and it makes sense because, I mean, the thing is, you know, they, they move mountains to move to a new country with a new opportunity just so that their kids have that freedom. But what gets lost in it is we come here for freedom, freedom of choice. But then when it comes to make choices, mm -hmm. you're restricted to make those choices. If I had a dollar for every time I have said the words representation, diversity, seeing people who look like us over these last few years, I would be a billionaire. And yet the conversation must continue. In the last year, Hollywood seems to be putting its money more where its mouth has allegedly been, but there's still so much work to be done. Purneet dropped some insight on his thoughts on representation. The faults on the film and TV industry still writing many non-Western and non-white characters as tokens dealing with only their trauma as an arc. Boring. We're over it. And what he hopes for. But that's what's crazy to me. Sometimes, you know, we talk about diversity, we talk about, you know, all these things in this world. And then I realized, like, oh, wait, like, like Bollywood is literally the second biggest film industry in the entire world. Um, it's it makes trillions of dollars, even more than Hollywood actually. Uh, pumps out like millions of movies a year, all sorts of movies where brown people are the leading people in them. And you're talking about like high budget fare that goes worldwide. Like people all over the world watch these movies. And so I always like I'm always just like it's so conflicting because I'm just like. But we have our time in the sun. Like, we're there. We're present. We're there worldwide. We're just not in North, in North America. Like, sure. Like, it's not, you know, it's not as prevalent. I get it. But it is a very strange sensation to, to like, know that, like, oh, wait. There's, like, you know, Bollywood's pumping out, like, 15,000 Crazy Rich Asians movies uh, a year. Um, and then here I am complaining that, like, I can't, you know, be seen by a certain casting director because I'm, you know, because, like, I'm brown and stuff. And it's just, like, it's such a strange thing. Because, again, there's an asterisk because it's Bollywood, right? It, it is the second biggest film industry in the world. Uh, unlike so many other nations. So uh, I think for me, what I want more of are, are those very specific stories about third culture uh, kids. 
But, but not only that, I always notice this is when people of color have any sort of meaningful role, it's always about their trauma and it's always about like their past and their darkest uh, moments. It's never, it, you can, you never see them just like having fun and just like being a person, uh, just being a three dimensional person. Like we are right now having this conversation. Like if, if a black person or a brown person or, or an Asian person are the leads or co-leads or like even anything really of any sort of meaning in anything that they're doing, it's always about like, you know, uh, racism or terrorism or, uh, you know, like re being repressed sexually or, or like it just, it's all that as opposed to, you know, and then white actors and white characters can just be people, just a person named Phil or, uh, you know, just a, you know, and, and just like walk around and just be a stoner dude and just like enjoy, you know, his, and so it's, that's the next step, I think is uh more crazy rich Asians. more more just like people having fun and just enjoying themselves as opposed to yeah that was an, that was totally another thing actually now that you said that like that that i sort of clocked in it where i was like this is just a normal rom-com and we're all rooting for the, like this couple to end up together and that that's like all it was and i was like how refreshing um that's interesting yeah like interesting all of the, what you just said like i think you honestly like hit the nail on the head in terms of even just like what we always are sort of discussing like at in rehearsal it's just like this notion of like the center what is the center what makes the center the center why has it been the center for so long um and yeah even what you were saying about like bollywood being like this like giant industry um but still you sort of feeling like othered is is really really interesting it's it's like yes because here in this part of the world we exist on the margins but that doesn't mean that you're not the center somewhere else we have to recognize that like especially as third culture kids where we straddle both worlds uh where you know where like on one side i have this juggernaut that is bollywood that like represents my people in in a light that's that's you know equivalent to, to hollywood people and then on the other side i'm just like well i can't speak hindi that fluently i can't do this that fluently. like i can't i'm not exactly this person so therefore i still feel left out and i have to fight for change here um because when I, if i go back there i'm just one in a million like you know and they don't have those issues there because they're the majority you know um so it is something that i'm conflicting like it's a very weird it's so weird it's so so strange you know yeah no it totally is but i mean at the same time it's also like you're a pioneer right you're creating your own path you're trailblazing yeah. sort of like for the people that are going to come behind you for sure. And yeah, and you're talking about very unique identities like immigrants, right? Uh, you know, Indian Canadian um, experience, the way we grew up, the way we talk, the way we view the world. It's all very different. And so those stories definitely need to be told. But not every not not all of us have misery and trauma. We're not always interrelated with that shit. Like we have we're mm. more we all a lot of us also have loving families and a lot of us have yeah. color and friendship and just like just just, you know, speak on it. You know, I think it's just time. It's it's time we just leave some of this, like you know, uh, all this struggle. Like it's all the struggle behind it. Just like have some more fun in the content that we're yeah. creating. You know, I think that's yeah. also important too. We can't just always be dour um, or depicted as that. You know, I think that's that's important too. The stereotype of the suffering artist, one we are all too familiar with. You 
And here we are in the age of content creation and artists having access to way more resources to create and produce and get paid for their process and work. So can we still suffer? Do we still suffer? Well, yeah. Praneet sheds light on his process, what he strives for in the rehearsal space, and how artists can better take care of their mental health. Do you think people have to suffer for their art? Absolutely not. Why? Get help first. <laughs> Go art like do therapy. Arts, art, yeah, do therapy. You're not cool if you think you're suffering for your art or you're being a method actor by mm. suffering for your art. It's bullshit and it's um that's just you being to make having the excuse to be an asshole on set or on stage mm. when push comes to shove. Um rehearsal is not a therapy session. It's a professional work environment and we're all there to do a job and in fact you're being disrespectful to the fellow artists in the room if you're getting out your baggage. Um, oh snap. In the room to it, it does it disrupts the process like and again, it's it, I'm talking about their health, right? Yeah. Not, not even me. Forget us. It serves you to take care of your shit outside of the room and 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 improve your mental health because that's paramount, right? Art, acting, all that stuff is secondary. Your mental health is number one, and so we as a unit can't figure out your mental health while we're rehearsing. Um, it's a disservice to you. It's a disservice to the people around you in the room. Um, and so suffering for your art, while it's a, it's a cool thing to read about and like, a, while it's a cool thing to maybe think about, you know, doing it, it, it's really, it's really not. And, um, yeah, but that's just how I feel. I just think that people should, when you come to work and you're working in a professional environment, I think, I think it's important to do the work and, and get towards a common goal. Um, and I, and I think if you have obviously issues and stuff that you need to deal with i think it's important that you deal with those first i think that's very very important art and acting can, and stuff can wait like i think mental health take care of your mental health first i don't think it's good to work it out in the room yeah is that a bit too hard too harsh <laughs> listen listen you say what you need to say for me <laughs> i just think i just like it's it's just from my experience i think it's it has disrupted a lot of um it it's yeah like it's it's clear when an actor has done their homework and prep. Mm. Uh, and it's clear when an actor has issues that they need to deal with. Like, do you think there's ever a time or space to sort of, like, use the process as a... Do you know what I mean? Totally, yes. And I do a bit of both. I, I come Usually I have, like, a baseline level of preparation that I come in mm -hmm. with, for sure. And then I do let spontaneity take over. To me, it's a collaborative art form. And when my um, process inhibits the creative energy of those around me that's when it's an issue Ooh. because now i'm being selfish you know in a collaborative space specifically with theater in a rehearsal hall where there are scene partners that are dependent on you you're also giving them certain energy um the actors that make it about themselves and their process and their suffering are selfish actors and in fact you don't really get good performances by being selfish, right? It's all about what you're trying to get out of the other person. It's all about giving. And so to me, uh, the rehearsal is a, rehearsal hall is a sacred place where you, where you give and, and you grow together. And if you feel that you're in a place where you can't give because you have to deal with things, 
then the priority should be dealing with them because that's that's paramount it's not necessarily like you you, you can't deal with it in the rehearsal line. it's not healthy for you to do that i have to be very careful to not make it about me in the room mm. that's it i just do my prep somewhere else and then come in to execute but when i'm using up the creative space and the, and the energy of the room to make it about me that's where i that's where i have a little bit of trouble um and so if that's happening that means that you actually have shit to deal with that's more important than acting that yeah. you need to get figured out and so that's 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 what i wanted to say initially yeah no that was that was good i mean you came in guns blazing and i appreciated that too i'm not saying that uh you're not allowed to suffer you're not allowed to, not allowed to have issues but i think i think you need to definitely make that the priority in your life deal with them talk to people get that sorted that's important we are at the two final questions that we ask all of our guests on inner soul mm. mm. pranit akila yes what are you in this very moment today <laughs> this week this month this time existing on earth what are you creatively giving yourself permission to do I am creatively giving myself permission to sit and listen, to take in. I love that. Um, and then last, an uh, last answer, last question. What would you tell your 15-year-old self? You took him out for coffee. Hmm. <laughs> Man. I would tell him to have faith in himself. Yeah, I would tell him that nobody else is going to um, give you the keys, uh, open any doors, believe in you, um, that you're working hard. I can see that you're working hard. I can see that you're putting in the effort. I can see that you're passionate about something. You're doing the right things. Stop worrying so much. Just go with it. It'll be fine. It'll work itself out. Um, you're doing too many things for it to not so um and clean your room <laughs> boom <laughs> clean your room do your homework clean your room do your homework and clean your room and stop being such a yeah don't yeah, don't bully your sister don't bully your sister so much just let her be <laughs> that's too funny pretty this has been wonderful this has been so so wonderful thank you so much misha appreciate thank it thank you thank you for being on Here we are at to I think one one of the major things that uh, Praneet mentioned in this episode, there were so many good, amazing things. Him sharing, you know, the top, the the ongoing, ever changing ever-growing topic of assimilation here we are in 2021 you know after all of the stuff that we as a society have been like sitting with and conversations and stuff so it's 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 really interesting to you know sort of keep on having more nuanced conversations about what assimilation actually means and i mean even heather you know you are a white woman but you have also had a very global experience in your in sort of in your um adolescence or teen years right sort of living in a culture that wasn't a canadian one and then coming back and i don't know what i'm saying but do you want to yes yes yeah. i am white um, yes <laughs> for those of you who haven't caught on um yeah i 
a friend of mine brought up the terminology like two culture kid like tcc um Mm -hmm. and so yeah i would definitely like identify as a two culture kid yeah i think you learn so much being a two culture kid and like understanding like the differences but then understanding that you as an individual get to decide your mix i think it reflects Pranit's comments about like the disney channel vibe as well because like i i connected with that so much and i got so excited (laughs) that he mentioned that because i i really struggled making friends as a kid um and like a kid slash youth slash (laughs) continuing on but like i I think back and I think because my reference point of what friendships were, yes, were like, you know, peer relationships, but also seeing the Disney Channel and being like, friends, Mm -hmm. if I have friends, that means I'm the green friend and I have a purple friend and we have an orange friend and one of them does sports and one of them reads and one of them draws and it's like this weird yeah and like no faults or shade to disney because that's all the fault and shade effective to disney. storytelling and whatever else like whatever um but realizing that like i can have friends without us spending monday through friday together i can have friends and not have like our own different whatever like there is like humanity like you were saying is diverse and is collective of so many different parts of who we are like we're not just one thing we're not just the engineer mm-hmm. we're somebody who likes to tell stories and maybe we tell stories through architecture or through the sciences I don't know mm-hmm. um but it's all like we're not just one thing we're many things because we're human wow stick that stick that in your pipe and smoke it Heather with the one-liners. Weekenders. <laughs> I've been living just... for the weekend. I've been living <laughs> for the weekend. Hey. Um, one thing that uh, Praneet mentioned that I thought was very, very interesting for us to waffle on about and expand. Um, it was, you know, we were sort of talking again about the notion of the suffering artist, but we kind of moved a little bit more into you know, um, the actual rehearsal process and, um, you guys have already heard it, but, um, you know, sort of he, he, he talked about, um, the notion of the rehearsal process being something that is like sacred and, and, and a space that needs to be safe and a space that needs to, um, enable the actors, the creatives to grow together. Um, so when it comes to sort of suffering, you know, if you are an actor, who needs to deal with stuff to deal with that outside of the rehearsal process so that you're not bringing bringing that into the rehearsal process um uh you know which sort of meandered into you know a discussion about mental health but yeah Heather what if what do you think about that I thought that was a very interesting a very interesting uh point that he's made because that's not necessarily how I would view my rehearsal process and again I mean this is in rehearsal how many times can I say rehearsal 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 um it's almost like you rehearsaled it (laughs) but um yeah no I thought that that was that was an interesting sort of uh point I would say that I am on not the opposite end of the argument or whatever it is but I think I'm either further along or or further behind on uh that that notion that concept what what about you what say you (laughs) um i don't know if i see it as like one argument or the other i think what came to mind listening to him was like the topic of safety 
Mm. in like a broader sense and like safety physical safety like I have never felt in rehearsal like someone was going to actually punch me in the face like that's checked off um but there's different realms of of who we are and where we exist so like I might be physically safe but I'm not emotionally safe Mm. And that might speak maybe potentially to some opera rooms, maybe some some screaming, some whatever. You know, like there's an emotional vulnerability as an artist that I think you need um, to connect with people in a real way. Um, and that requires safety, that someone's not going to take advantage of you. Someone's not, and like, again, not necessarily physically, but emotionally, um, spiritually, you know, even your time <laughs> like as artists like our, our we really invest in our projects um but even like respecting your time and boundaries in those ways like can reflect on your safety and how much you're willing to give yourself mm. to a project um the last the last or the second last show a show that I've a show that I'm thinking of um that I was involved in I had a really hard time with uh, because I felt very unsafe emotionally and I would come home and like have all this like ah baggage to like deal with and sort through and at the end of like venting it would be like but I'm fine but it's fine like the job's getting done it's fine but like I was being so taken advantage of and being so like thrown around and I was like is this how the real world air quotes is (laughs) like is this professional theater I don't think like I don't feel like this is working well I don't feel respected in this space um like in time or word or in deed like there's a lot of boundaries being crossed but they're not physical boundaries um like some of the equity (laughs) lines were kind of being crossed but I'm not an equity actor so that's fine I guess you can take my break from me to chat about something oh no really just you just giving me direction um like there are so many ways that I was unsafe and ultimately like I am kind of embarrassed at my performance in that in that show I don't feel like I ever really found out what the director wanted from me because there's so much back and forth and like it really hurt me because like my I think one of my jobs as an actor is to like find a way to understand the director's vision and not just bring that out but like find a way that I can add to that in a way that I can help that out and I just remember like every show standing on stage and I had like this like spotlight monologue where every time I was just like this isn't it like I don't I don't know if this is what you're looking for. I can do what I feel is right, but you've told me what I feel is right is wrong many times. Mm. So I just feel like I'm out here making a fool of myself night after night, um, which isn't great. And, you know, it doesn't make me love acting anymore. It doesn't make me feel confident. Like there are many ways that I didn't feel safe in those situations. Mm. Right. And I mean, I mean, and I would assume just by way of, you know, knowing who you are personally, for, for you as a person, I'm sure that... So yeah, you know what? We've come around, Praneet. I get what you're saying. Um, in that, like, knowing you as a person and sort of uh, um, the strength of your character or the strength of your identity, even though maybe some things were, like, a little bruised, 
it's not like you were so triggered that you had to throw everything away right as opposed to maybe an actor who just like does not have control of any internal things and then in rehearsal being triggered and then using the process to try and deal with that it's like well this isn't fun for anyone now is it (laughs) is it well that happens all the time too like (laughs) yeah it's um kind of a very dark joke that we're like some people definitely come like study theater because they've never had permission to understand their own emotions Mm. or to pursue their own identity but when they're here they're trying on different hats we're doing things like breathing (laughs) practicing talking to each other um things that you know maybe people feel like they missed out on so Mm. i think a lot of people i think because art is a part of humanity and a part of human interaction and expression um, I think a lot of hurt people come to the arts to understand themselves and, you know, potentially seek quote unquote counseling or some therapeutic because those are a part of the effects, right? Like understanding yeah. yourself. A hundred percent. No, that's good. It's, and also yeah. a gift, right? Like also that something is beautiful about the way, but I guess it, it can't be the only thing, especially if it's your profession. It's like, you can be, go, go get therapy, kid. There's definitely some people that don't seem to have any interest in the business side of becoming a like a contracting artist and that's very like interesting and confusing and just furrows my brow (laughs) deeply because I'm like are you if you're here to understand yourself welcome but if you're here to under like understand this profession like you gotta work you gotta work yeah you gotta work it out or work work Angelica (laughs) what's another work song is it worth it? Let me work it. Wag, 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 wag. <laughs> See, the artists know. It's all about the work. Well, and it's interesting, like, I, um, I just did a little workshop with Vertigo Theater doing, like, digital theater workshop. Um, and we were kind of joking first day about being like, oh, like, what brings you here? And a couple of the artists were like, I'm an artist with no contracts, which means personal development yeah and it's like that is work like keeping yourself sharp keeping yourself learning exploring different mediums finding different ways that you can like understand yourself understand your craft maybe branch into a new one so it's like it might look like (laughs) i don't know buying a selfie stick and walking around the park but like this is work and i think people need permission and hopefully with covid we all understand Mm. that mental health side of things right that like I, I have work to do on me. I have a nine to five as well, but there's there's more to life than that. I also need to bake some sourdough bread. Mm. Or I don't know. What's your what's your COVID weird thing? Have you had one? You've been just exploding into the world. Yeah, I was like, what's my COVID? Co- what has been my COVID coping method? Wow. What has been my COVID coping method? Something that I probably can't say on air, but you know it. Um, but uh, <laughs> you, you have ideas. But uh, no, but on- okay. <laughs> I understand why writers drink. Well, I understand the, the stereotype that like writers have now of like being all alcoholics, though that will never be me um never say never uh but uh 
my COVID sort of like coping method, the healthy sort of things, to be honest, is walking. It's walking. I think like one as an as a storyteller, you know, to to put it more under the umbrella, Ella, Ella. I'm really with the song song references today. Yeah. Sort of as a storyteller. And obviously now that it is spring, it's May, it's May, the last month of May. Um, It's been so great sort of just being out one in nature and two with people socially distance of course of course but being able to sort of just like interact in a world where there are other humans has been extremely therapeutic super grounding being like hi i get to look at you in the eye also what's that like health it's great it's good times because i live in a beautiful part of downtown calgary um I'm not going to tell you my address, but um, it's 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 great. So that's been super, super grounding. I try to do, I try to not listen to anything. So no podcast, no music. It's literally just like, mm. let me let me be out. Let me hear the sounds While of the walking. city. Yeah. Let me hear the sounds of the city. Let me like, yeah, like meet the eyes of the person I'm walking by. Um, let me wander and romanticize if you know the people that i'm walking by like where they're going what their story is like that's been super inspiring super grounding and also healthy because like ten thousand steps am i right (laughs) um yeah well and what you're describing is being present right like that Mm. is the work number one how to be present as an artist as a human like how do you actually take in the moments Heather is preaching today. Um, I think we waffled on enough. Hopefully you guys have taken some notes um, on the insight that Heather dropped because I feel like you're, you're always saying profound things. But one thing that is different is now, guys, we are a sponsored podcast. This episode has been sponsored by Calgary Arts Development. Um, thank you so much, Calgary Arts Development, um, for believing in us and enabling us to finish season two. Um, so the rest of the season is is lovingly sponsored by Calgary Arts Development. I am Misha Maseka, the summer of 2014 bonfire to my fall 2021, where everyone can go outside and socialize safely, but actually get outside their house, is Heather Gallipo. This has been In Rehearsal. Until you hear from us next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.